Hello, we are three friends who like playing tabletop games and thought it'd be fun to create characters based on movie and TV characters for role-playing games. I'm Ian, and I'm joined by... Karina. And Matt. And this is... Hollywood Hollywood Rolls. People wish to kill you. Anyone who's met you, I imagine. A disguise is necessary to protect us all. While you are here, you will conduct yourself as a nun. Only I will know who and what you truly are. You will draw no attention to yourself whatsoever. As from now and until you leave, you are Sister Mary Clarence. Time for a new habit and acquire mutiny, because this week we're building Dolores Van Cartier, a.k.a. Sister Mary Clarence, from Sister Act. So, 1991. 92. 92. It, this movie has early 90s. Early 90s. It's definitely <laughs> early Yeah, I, I, was, I verified with my parents that we actually did go to see this in the theater. I don't know if I did or not. Yeah, it's possible. I mostly remember it though. Home VHS tape for sure over and over oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> There's I mean, like the, the clothes definitely uh, let you know that it's the 90s, but that's the movie score. I feel like really underscores that like, <laughs> movie scores haven't been. I mean, that's not entirely true. Movie stores were like that in the early 90s. And then that became clearly the movie score of like the direct to, to VHS movie. Mm-hmm. Something like slapping like bass, like <laughs> when things get serious. <laughs> uh Oh, it's time for the mystery. <laughs> it, it was also like very characteristic uh, montage uh, music scene. Oh, that's like, true. So the many montage-y, montages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very true. And the touchstone uh, sound, like I haven't heard that sound yeah, in a long time. The yeah, touchstone is pretty much dead now. <laughs> very interesting. I The thing that surprised me about the movie that I, I had to do a double take and actually like stop the movie and go back and check is this is PG. I know. Yeah. PG was different back then. We've got murder. They <laughs> mm-hmm. actually say the word shit. Yeah, a couple, there are a couple mm-hmm. shits talking about sex. And there's so much sex talk. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's, it's, mm-hmm. it is. The tagline for this movie is no sex, no booze, no men, no way. What a nice family film for the early 90s. <laughs> Take your kids, get some popcorn. Yeah, PG was different. Yeah, PG different. But still, which is interesting because I was actually trying to think back on this movie. Uh, because I did watch it a bit as a kid, over, you know, maybe a chest tape. But I remembered it being a bit more you know, salacious or sleazy. I think I remembered her being like a prostitute or something. And I was like, oh, she was just a lounge singer. Oh, yeah. okay. They made it sound like it was much more I mean, scandalous. Yeah, Maggie Smith sort of treats her like she's a prostitute she or really something. Yeah. Just she just assumed she's yeah. some kind of whore. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like this movie relies like pretty heavily on a lot of weird stereotyping stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was... It feels odd racially watching it. Yeah. Um, and it, like it plays weird because it's a whole bunch of white nuns and, uh, and, the, token and the, black, black lady. the black person who's clearly a low rent, terrible singer. Right. And I it makes me feel a little bit better knowing that it was originally written for Bette Midler. And so like that didn't play into the writing of the movie that just played in or at least it didn't play into the initial writing of the movie. But yeah. Well, but it was significantly rewritten since then. It was. Yeah, I wonder how much of it was, yeah, kind of played up for, look, it's a, you know, black lady with a bunch of old white stodgy people. Yeah. I don't know if it actually would have worked as well as a, you know, at least from that kind of perspective of the the comedy about, uh, of it, if you had had Bette Midler in there, other than maybe she could have played up the bit of more like, ah, I need to like get a cigarette outside or something like that as much as it was the 
assuming she's a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> All that being said, I felt like this totally held up for me. Like it, yeah. it was the comedy and feel good movie that I remembered it to be. Yeah, I don't feel like, like really the second movie. A lot of fun at you know didn't really poke a lot of. I mean, I don't think so. Poked a lot of like fun at Catholicism no. overtly. No, no and it was generally fine. besides the you know murder and <laughs> it's generally pretty like just a fun family movie. It was just a token murder. It's fine. <laughs> but no, yeah, you're right. Hold, holding up aside from yeah some of the musicality of it. I think, yeah, it did very much hold up as a, a good film. And like, especially the dialogue of the second one. There's a lot of yo-yos from a lot of white people. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Like Frank K. So, I, I feel Frank like... K is cringe. Man, was the acting not great in this. It, yeah. it felt, you know, if you need a definition for the word contrived, mm -hmm. I, I feel like every scene in this is, is exactly that. Everyone is playing a stereotype and every situation, it's like, oh, this is how it needs to resolve because the script says so. Yeah, this felt more yeah. like something I would have watched on Nickelodeon at the time, which yeah. I did enjoy because, again, I was, you know, maybe what, what, this was 93 was the second movie? Yeah. So I was eight or nine. So probably right up my alley. I'm like, this is what teenagers look like. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also think there's a better movie hiding in that movie. I feel like if they mm -hmm. cut about 30 minutes out of Sister Act 2, it could have gone a lot better. I'm not exactly. I mean, I don't feel like they needed the, the monks beginning. there at all. The monks yeah. did nothing for me in that movie. I'm like, why <laughs> no, are they, they were, here? They were negative attention. They, they, they're, like, the more animated of the monks was uh, Michael Jeter who it took me a minute to recognize as the annoying one from Elmo, where he's Mr. Noodle. And Mr. Noodle. Well, he was one of the various noodles. <laughs> yes. Well, he died. I think he was the, yeah. I think he was the original Mr. Noodle. Mm -hmm. And then there was another Mr. Noodle. I think there was a Ms. or Mrs. Noodle at some point. I think there was, there's also a dog, Mr. Noodle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elmo got weird. <laughs> yeah. About the time that our kids were old enough to be watching the Elmo, the, uh, the Mr. Noodle was there. Yeah. I guess you were saying, yeah, they were the, uh, the cartoon I don't know, levity parts, which I don't think was necessary at all. I mean, mm -hmm. There wasn't a need for some antics with these monks going around. I didn't feel like that was necessary. Also, it was completely implausible that they don't know her. Like, there's yeah. this famous church in San Francisco miles away that somehow they didn't hear about. And she was on like, about... the cover of like, Time and People or whatever at the end of the first movie. Oh, who's, who's she? There's a yeah. big suspension of disbelief there's there. <laughs> there's a lot of suspension of disbelief in the first movie, too. True. Though. Like, That's she fair. is clearly not a nun. There's, there's That's all true. That... And it would have been illegal to have to hide somebody in witness yeah. protection as a member of the clergy, a member of the Peace Corps, or any kind of media because they are so vulnerable. They don't want people getting targeted. Mm -hmm. There was one thing about the second movie that I, I feel like was especially good, which is I, I feel like they started pretty strong. We start the first movie in Reno. We start the second movie in Las Vegas. Yeah. He's clearly moved up. <laughs> Just in move the it world. up. <laughs> Go to Lord. I did run down the the song that they're singing in the classroom uh, when she comes in. It's like, is this a thing? The cold beans cold and colored beans and, greens. And colored greens. It's catchy. It's not, as far as I can tell, they just kind of made that up but as a take on another song that was written in 1986 by the Junkyard Band, and it was Sardines and Pork and Beans. Ah, so some, the song was called Sardines. I see. So they were they were doing some kind of riffing as like, oh, here's what we'll sing when we come into the scene, but let's make it legally dissimilar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although last year, an artist who goes by Collard Green put out an album called Cold Beans and Collard Greens. Yeah. Again, maybe legally dissimilar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't touch me, Disney. <laughs> there was no hay. <laughs> yeah, this is such a disbelief of the gospel choir competition also. Oh. Was, oh, I, yeah. what, what I really wanted was like that, like the scene from Eurovision where like Nor Graham Norton is like, oh, how wonderful. Isn't this beautiful? They're disqualified, of course. But isn't this nice? <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, 
broke all the rules. They get the trophy. Like, no, <laughs> this isn't fair. Oh, uh, they, they're singing our song. We can't possibly compete with this. Yeah. You guys know what your version of the song is, right? You're aware you that know this it's is very a, different. This is not a direct <laughs> It's very loosely really. the same song. Yeah. Yeah, the first movie, definitely better of the two. Holds up better. For sure. <laughs> What was interesting was once once Bette Midler had turned it down, which she then said she regretted, then Whoopi Goldberg took over. She hired Carrie Fisher to rewrite a significant amount of her dialogue, which actually they met a lot of resistance from you know Disney executives. And I think that director was it that they even changed his name on the billing because he said it was no longer his movie or maybe it was the screenwriter screenwriter, screenwriter, screenwriter that would make yeah. more sense i think he originally <laughs> wanted to say that it was written by goofy, and goofy. They didn't let him. oh really yeah. okay that's funny <laughs> <laughs> they turned that down that's fair that might be that might stand out a little bit too much so he had a different pin name and uh, carrie fisher then told whoopi goldberg quote you're getting into a pissing contest with people who have actual dicks <laughs> So that's fun. We love, I, yeah. we love Carrie Fisher. <laughs> I, I feel like Carrie Fisher probably saved this movie, gi- yeah. given that Whoopi's character is the, the, like, it only works because of her. It really yeah. does. It really does. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the treatments of the script were prior to Carrie Fisher reworking them, because I'm sure there was a lot that she added that really made this movie mm-hmm. and really makes it hold up still, too. Speaking of this movie holding up, I, Maggie Smith is, I think, the other the other oh, big. Oh, so good. Yeah. I, uh, Professor McGonagall always wins. And just having, yeah, that stern look against, you know, somebody who's trying to be like, hey, let's have some fun. And you get that generational divide as well as, yeah. you know, the kind of British versus, you know, American sort of, you know, sure. it's the 90s. Yeah, it was so great. I, so I I thought this character for her was a little bit closer to her Downton Abbey character coming in occasionally with fun quips that either she's putting her down or the thing that felt very yeah nice. more of like a withering stare sort of <laughs> <laughs> vicious mockery. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Shall we? Uh, shall we get started? Do a little the early? thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So for our listeners who are new to this podcast, we roll to see who is going to guide the conversation and also break ties when and if we are at a stalemate. And also rolling dice is fun. All right, boys, what are we all rolling today? So my die is from the Black Oak Workshop. Um, it was a Kickstarter for an advent calendar. And this one in particular was a black die that you were meant to color in the numbers with red and green to look like they were Christmas lights. Uh, but instead, I colored it in with white so that I have a black and white nun Yeah, like a habit. habit. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of got like a gothic look to the font too, which feels mm-hmm. very... Catholic churchy. I also have a plain black and white die, the paired die to the Taken episode. So <laughs> that was a uh, an unassuming white die. This is the black <laughs> and white reverse of that. Th- but this one is uh, properly Chessex. It took me a while to figure out that this was a Chessex mold because this die is 22 years old or so. She, she's not an unassuming black uh, female. No, though. not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but she's trying. She's, she's trying, trying to, trying. yeah. This is yeah, her aspiration. <laughs> Well, among that vein, I have a die that is black and white also, but not quite so plain as there is some sort of like nice white filigreeing around it. So this is Dolores sort of trying to blend in and be boring, but she can't help herself but be a little bit flashy. And this is from Greenleaf Geek and came this year from their premium adventure calendar that I also had a little advent calendar that was lovely. And they do wonderful purveying of shiny math rocks. And you can find them on Instagram at Greenleaf Geek. Unfortunately, you're going to have to repeat if we ever do like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I feel like that's the perfect Ooh, die. That is the perfect die it for would her. really be perfect. That's great to know, though. Now that I, yeah, I can use that for maybe, maybe uh, there'll be a future character build that I show up and be Ruth Bader Ginsburg in a game. <laughs> you can see pictures of all these dice on our Instagram at Hollywood Rolls. What'd you get? <laughs> a four. Wow. I got a seven. I got a natural 20. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, as the initiative winner, I would like to start with background, mostly because this is a movie where she has a background that she immediately has to forget and mm-hmm. go do something different. That's mm-hmm. fair. So that sure. would be fun. The most obvious choice is probably Entertainer, but there's some other fun ones we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but Entertainer is pretty good. It gives us acrobatics and performance and a disguise kit, which is, I think, needed. Yeah, I like that. I also like the, the trinket from the Admirer. I know she left the purple mink coat there, but <laughs> I sort of yeah. like that as her trinket. Very nice. <laughs> and yeah. the feature works back by popular demand. I mean, I guess she wasn't very in demand at the beginning of the movie, but I mean, she's, they, they kept hiring her. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's more of a thing that like she has, but just hasn't utilized fully in her yeah. lounge singer, uh, you know, entertainer career. She hadn't figured out how to market herself as a nun. <laughs> yeah, she really needed that. Yeah, little spark of <laughs> the hymnals first. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, I like Entertainer so a lot. I think Entertainer is probably the right choice. There are some others that might be worth chatting mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to leave Karina's for Karina. Oh, yay. <laughs> My wonderful pet background. And I'm going to talk about breaking Karina's general rule around background. That's fair. So okay. I think it is interesting for this character to consider Acolyte. Oh. I think Acolyte's a bad choice for a number of reasons. Um, I wish Acolyte worked better. Mm. But what I want to say is if you're going to be playing this character at a table, there's no way that any part of this hiding and witness protection subplot is going to be part of your, like, that really kind of needs to be the background for your character. It's probably not going to be something that comes out at the table. There there are ways that you could maybe work with that, but it's more interesting as a character to sort of consider the full scope of the movie as being backstory for your character. And then Mm. to talk about that time when, as an entertainer, you were a Carmelite nun for a while in hiding. You don't want a one shot in a nunnery? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it quite works for some reason. I'm not really sure. I mean, Challenge I su- accepted. <laughs> I, I suppose if you're going to do the one shot in a nunnery, then I think you need to have uh, you need to have your mobsters show up more than just at the end. Like mm. that's that's the running theme for the whole thing. And you have to run down to the crypts. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And see, I, see, I, I think that could be this. a cool game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's, it was worth considering Acolyte. I went and looked at Acolyte when I went and looked at Acolyte. So this would be like the background for the rest of her life, like having been yeah. a nun for a bit, then she... And the going okay. into hiding. And like, this is this is your character's backstory for like, why as a random entertainer sort of skeezy person, do you know all of these things about religion? Why are you skilled in religion? Uh, well, <laughs> you see there was this time... <laughs> I do like that. That's that's interesting. It also kind of works for like how you would bring a character to a table. Yeah. Like th- that's the interesting part of your backstory that you'd bring up. Not that like, oh, yeah, I was a singer before. Yeah. Like the singer is going to get explained over and over again at mm-hmm. the table. Like you're going to be doing performing and you're not really going to yeah. be talking about that part of your background. You're going to be more you're going to be showing, not telling. <laughs> The problem with Acolyte is I don't really like the feature it gets us and I don't like the skill proficiencies it gets us. Um, most yeah, that the feature sort of does what an entertainer does, but just in a holy way. <laughs> it, it does. And I, I, I guess, I, let me walk that back a bit. This would be an interesting feature for you to execute during the game mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. if this was your backstory. Like, mm. oh, the church will take care of us. Believe me, I know. I've been there before and like I I know all the ins and outs. I know yeah. the right things to say. I know how to yeah, pull the, so yeah, the, the, pull the healers will, the, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll all, they'll, believe me, they know about me. They'll <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be cool. I just, I really want to stay away from insight as a skill proficiency for her. I know. She's yeah. Not very insightful. She is not insightful. Um, I like it. It gets, it gets you the vestments though. So. Knowledge and skill proficiency is religion. Also good. I, I think, yeah. I think there's, a, there, there's stuff to work with there. She did go to Catholic school as a child. She so she would maybe, yeah, know some of that, you know, not enough to do a real blessing at a mealtime. John. <laughs> by the power vested Paul. in me. <laughs> George and Ringo. Hey, though I walk through the valley of hunger. <laughs> and declare us. Right oh, yeah, declare us by the power vested in me. Oh, dear. Yes, very proficient in religion. 
All right. Uh, I mean, that sounds like a player trying to explain the persuasion role they're making. <laughs> it's like, you rolled a natural 20. It doesn't really. Yeah, OK, we'll go with it. Yeah, they, they, they just think you're from a weird <laughs> convent. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know if I have a great argument for the haunted one. However, <laughs> if she we did go from, a murder. That's true. But I'd like to have things happen before the movie starts as a uh. background. So the <laughs> best I could say is many, many people have a lot of trauma from Catholic school. And maybe that Ooh. was her trauma. <laughs> haunted by nuns. Haunted by the, her past of the nuns. And that's what really makes her not want to go back to the nunnery. And you can see something in her. And they're not quite sure what it is. And it's her trauma from Catholic school. Yeah, it doesn't work at all. But <laughs> I, I got to try. <laughs> I had one other that I wanted to bring up partly because it's critical role content which is a grinner mm -hmm. um, and, and it doesn't mm. quite work but it's close and I felt it was worth it so you get uh, deception and performance and the feature is the Ballad of the Grinning Fool basically by singing a song the members of the Golden Grin um, will hear the song and give you shelter so it's, you, you have a way to get a hideout which I thought was kind of fun for this movie that you'd be hiding out of the nunnery yeah that's fun um, but the other part that makes it work is there may be enemies in the audience so you should use this feature judiciously as it was seen in the movie like yeah you make the church too popular and now you're gonna get found yeah i like that's like they have like secret coded songs to like spread their messages to like undermine <laughs> authority so it's sort of like yeah we'll take like eight no mountain high enough and we'll make it about god <laughs> <laughs> everybody's like yeah this is fine but obviously she was not the one who found her hideout, nor was it her choice. So it's, no, it's, it doesn't it's really to work. talk about. Yeah, like changing like you're, she is changing the songs, like how well, mm -hmm. you know, at least the instrumentation, some of the wording to kind of fit into a religious context and changing the tempo of more religious songs to be more contemporary for the mm -hmm. crowd. I don't know where else we would probably stick Grinner as far as any other kind of movie. So it's good to talk yeah. about. It's worth it. I, I, I also took a, a brief look at Grinner. I, mm -hmm. I, I felt like the, the whole order of it didn't quite feel right yeah. for the character, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it, it was an interesting feature. Um, I think briefly entertain Faceless and or Charlatan, both just because they give you the second identity and that's yeah. sort of the bread and butter of this movie. But I don't know, neither of them felt great because Faceless... Like she is still recognizable yeah. as herself when she's yeah, in she's still trying to hide, like from the news yeah. and everything. She's not, she's not really. She's just trying to fit in more than hide. Yeah, exactly. Like if if, if Vince had turned around when his wife was like, "Hey, let's look at that," he would have immediately gone, "That's Dolores. Let's go get her." With Charlatan, at least you can still be yourself. You can still be recognized in your mm -hmm. fake identity. Mm -hmm. Identity mostly like you've got the paperwork to support your fake identity mm -hmm. and all that stuff, which felt a little bit more appropriate. But I don't know. It just it doesn't strike me as the right thing for her character. Giving her yeah proficiency with deception and sleight of hand doesn't feel to me like what she's doing you know she's not like picking yeah. pockets and she's not like she is she is trying to deceive but more she's just sort of trying to like you know go into the radar yeah it doesn't really feel like she's purposefully trying to bamboozle these nuns no so i i, I think we're in agreement then I think uh, entertainer, entertainer, entertainer yeah okay um what musical instrument <laughs> i know is there a way to say your voice <laughs> tambourine <Bird pipes. laughs> I thought that was interesting. She, she must have some... No, she, she knows musicality, though. We just don't see her play an instrument, but like she knew yeah, she knows like, what on the piano yeah. to play. I thought mm -hmm. it was interesting that they had the piano when you... I would normally expect an organ in these kind of you know establishments, but I guess it makes more sense for it to kind of be that uptown... Jangly. What does Maggie Smith call it? The uh, She boogie calls woogie? it boogie woogie. Yeah, the boogie woogie. 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 <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so it makes sense for the movie, but also that sort of suspension of disbelief. Really? You don't have a pipe organ? <laughs> All well, right. Now I'm really interested in looking up whether or not St. Paul's actually has a pipe organ because this is yeah, like, I don't know. This is a church. It's not far from us. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, could have take, we could take a we could take a field trip. <laughs> also, bold choice to show that it's San Francisco by showing the Bay Bridge rather than the Golden Gate. 
I know that I'm embarrassed because being so close to it, I was kind of like, what is that? And Ian said, I forgot this movie was San Francisco. I said, oh, that's San Francisco. <laughs> I wouldn't have known. But the bridge is in orange. I think exactly. Yeah. The bridge is the wrong color. This is in San Francisco. Is this Brooklyn? I don't know this bridge. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> I guess they, they never really talk about it being San Francisco. They do So it wasn't really. as important that it was San Francisco. That's true. Um, but we did have just, an establishing shot. It's It's true. It's true. It's a little weird. Well, I guess if you know you're from Reno, then it's kind of like, okay, where were they going to go? It was originally going to be actually Chicago because that, yeah. that Midler was going to be in it. And then when they recast Whoopi, they set it in San Francisco because that's, of course, where she kind of came up as improv slash stand-up comedian. So I guess it wasn't as important. They could have called it anything. <laughs> they yeah. were just going to shoot there anyway. <laughs> they changed the whole neighborhood. So why not? <laughs> exactly. They already said, this is, a, yeah, this is a terrible neighborhood. Oh, no, Valley Ann. Oh, yeah, no, no. This is the Tenderloin. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely the Tenderloin. <laughs> All right. So I think we can move on to race. This is one of those ones where I feel like you can either go super boring and just go human or. All right. Let me try and arguments. sell you on Goblin. Oh, I, I saw this in your list. OK, I didn't it. see that in your please, list. And now please. I'm shocked. <laughs> uh, if we want to stay true to this character in the movie, mm -hmm. which is not going to work at a table, really, but we can at least approximate some of it. The first sign of combat she seems to be the one who runs, just immediately runs. Fair. Um, nimble escape. <laughs> and nimble escape from oh. Goblin. She was in those heels and she was making it work because she was running away from Vince and the other and, guy. <laughs> and I think it's I think it's maybe interesting if your interpretation of that is just, I'm never going to be in melee with anybody. I will use <laughs> nimble escape. I will always be at range. And like, I'm probably not a ranged combatant either. I'm like, I'm the buffer debuffer kind of character. I'm party support. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. She can do that, nut, that double nut punch, but yeah. She can do the double nut <laughs> Which punch. Which is really pushed to it, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that when I was doing the scores. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Joey had it coming. Come on. <laughs> they did. They did. They, many, they many know times. not what they do, though. <laughs> <laughs> I did like in the movie that they, they did establish really early on. Vince is Catholic. He went to confession. He says so, so that later he can justify that he wouldn't just murder her. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's the argument for, for Goblin. That's the, that's an argument. That's an argument. Okay. I, I also, let me go with Goblin a secondary moment. Mm -hmm. I feel like Goblin, more than most of the other races in D&D, &D, it's easy to sell some discrimination towards. Uh -huh. True. And so Maggie Smith's initial reaction of just like, some no, racism. I won't. I couldn't possibly. Mm -hmm. um, like feels right for Goblin. And you'll you'll sort of continually be faced with that if your party is more like the nunnery, is a mm -hmm. little higher society. More homogenous. You yeah. have to always kind of be proving yourself as not a murdering Goblin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I also wrote this one down, but I would love to hear what you have to say about Tiefling. Okay, so what I have to say about Tiefling is the thing that I just said about Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I did see Tiefling and I didn't see the Goblin, but actually I, I feel like I like, I, I'm not sure which one I like more now, but I, I do like the argument for Goblin as well, for the same argument for Tiefling. Yeah, so Tieflings have devil's blood in them. There's sort of this initial discrimination against them. Tiefling makes a really interesting character to hide in a nunnery. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, why you got to wear the full habit. Oh, <laughs> hide <yeah>. those horns. <laughs> hide those horns. <laughs> Yeah, yeah we I was were, also thinking the we were, tiefling for like a not fitting in. Um, yeah, I, tieflings, I feel like most people who play female tieflings tend to be bright, big character type people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that fits in with sort of Whoopi's personality in in playing this character. I feel like as, as a child in Catholic school, she was, you know, she was trying to pull that attention. She was trying to be like the little mischief yeah. maker. 
And then, you know, the nun even was like, I wash my hands of you because you're just obviously trouble and you're never going to, you know, amount to much. So I couldn't buy that with Tiefling, which was always a little bit, a little bit, you know, on the naughtier side. Yeah. Also gets us plus two to charisma, which we love. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Plus two to charisma is great for this. Plus one intelligence, which I'm fine. But that plus two to charisma I like. And also like giving this character thaumaturgy would be interesting, (laughs) especially (laughs) as a kid in a Catholic school. Thaumaturgy is especially interesting if we don't end up going with a a divine caster. It is from the divine Mm. caster cantrip list oh interesting um and so clerics are the ones who generally are supposed to have thaumaturgy so that they can speak with the booming voice of god when that they need sense. to it would be interesting for this character to have it some other way mm. what did you have Grainer? i don't have a lot <laughs> <laughs> human i you know it's it's good but i think i like your guys's arguments to make her just a little bit different from Out everybody else yeah because she mm-hmm. is that sort of token black character amongst the the rest of the cast so really kind of honoring that feels like it's kind of important Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones I thought was interesting that I saw you guys write down, and I'm curious to see um, where you want to take this, is Seder, which again, for this, uh, for the same reason of like, they're kind of out there, they're kind of different, I like. But I think Ian I like wants Seder. to take it to a roller derby. That's where Ian wants to take the Seder. <laughs> roller derby nuns. <laughs> uh, no, I like Seder. It gives you charisma plus two. It does. Uh, as Proficiency well. in performance as well, and mm-hmm. persuasion. I, I mean, like that. And Faye. <laughs> Being Faye, yeah. Being Faye. Well, and I like that too because the very odd indeed uh, part that they talk about too. Some people worry why satyrs behave as they do. So mm-hmm. it sort of can also be the reason why people are like, what is she doing? I know, oh, she came from a progressive convent. She always just does things a little bit strangely because she's mm-hmm. a little bit of satyr and always trying to make things into like a, a more fun, better situation, right? They, she, the mother superior wants her to be more dour, more proper. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, we're going to, you know, do this fun, jangly, you know, oogie boogie, what was it? Boogie <laughs> boogie, <laughs> not oogie boogie. <laughs> different movie, different movie. <laughs> Dan, so I could see, I could see any of those three interesting races work. Does anybody have a... I, I, I like, argument? yeah, the, the reveler part is, is... The reveler part, yeah, of the satyr is, is mm-hmm. interesting. Do, uh, do satyrs get anything that's going to be uh, a, a counter indication? Do they get a, like a, an interesting spell or something? I feel like they do, but I'm maybe um, mistaking mirthful leaps. Yeah, just mirthful leaps. Yeah, just mirthful leaps. Yeah, no, Seder works pretty well. (laughs) Magic resistance. Yeah, but I don't really say her ram. (laughs) No. (laughs) That would be fun. I mean, there is, again, the ball punch. That's that's sort of a good thing. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay. (laughs) Double bludgeoning but damage equal to 1d4 plus your strength modifier. Sure, I like that. That's fun. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess we have to decide if we want her to be different because she's having too much fun or more that she looks different or that she is... I think it's more of a trickster, I guess. Yeah, I, I like it, uh, her wanting to have more fun. That was the part that she hated when she got into the cell Yeah, um, is that there's nothing there. Uh, like, How can I possibly live here? And immediately goes across the street to a bar. Yeah. Like, this is not fun enough. And then like, wants to make the singing more fun. And and the argument with the mother superior, which says, like, well, this isn't a casino or a, or a theater. It's like, yeah, but people want to go to casinos <laughs> and they want to go to the, yeah, it's got the butts in the seats. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I can be convinced. I guess, you know, you are the initiative winner unless Matt has big feelings of uh, I mean, even if I have holding big his feelings, high ground. still the initiative winner. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So do I finally get a satyr? <laughs> I think you finally get your satyr. Yeah, I think I think that works here. That's kind of fun. And it really would lend you to then play this character in a bit more mirthful way than maybe you would otherwise. So I think it might help you with the role play, but we'll talk about that when we get to playability. Okay. On to class. I think there's only a couple. I mean, there's, this time probably around. The, there's probably the big class in the room, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's the correct answer, and there's another answer that you guys seem to be interested in. So maybe shall we talk about cleric first, so yeah. that I can understand why you guys think that's remotely appropriate? I don't think it would be a bad idea to multi-class this character, but we can talk about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, 
I was that. thinking a, a combo of the both. I think she has to have Bard. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we get away with any Bard. But again, with this character being, you know, sort of, I think as you level this up, this character up, maybe I don't I think it's a bad idea to take some cleric. Uh, but we can talk about why that, that might be. <laughs> well, why might, well, why might <laughs> that be? What do you mean were you thinking? Well, the big one that I like is trickery. Ooh. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, the other way. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. So what I kind of liked it is almost maybe despite herself, she's getting this level of cleric just by being sort of absorbing the nunnery and the nuns around her. What I like about it too is the blessing of the trickster as an action you can take advantage on dexterity. So your stealth checks, she can hide from the bad guys a bit better. It lasts for a full hour. At first level, you get charm person and disguise self again, sort mm -hmm. of maybe helping her if she's trying to hide in certain situations. Mm -hmm. And the one that I thought was really funny was at second level, you can use your channel divinity to create an illusory duplicate of yourself. That lasts for a minute. So it's like when they're in the casino at the end and they're trying to run away from the bad guys oh, yeah. and, there's and there's just nuns, nuns everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay, now there's nuns everywhere. Bye. <laughs> That's mostly why I liked the trickery domain. So I don't think we need more than like level one. Or if we want two levels of cleric, then it gets us that there's nuns everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I went uh, the opposite direction with peace. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay. Well, let's make the most of this. Um, we're I'm going to be in this convent for a month and I'm going to when they're in the scene with Maggie Smith after the first performance and she's then talking about, well, like, and she, she wants us to go out into the community. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. now I'm just going to make the most of it and create a bond between all of the nuns. And she does the same thing with the choir of like, she's able to create this gel between them. Like they weren't angry at each other or anything. They just sucked and Talk they about wanted peace help. Cleric. Well, how does the peace cleric help with that? So implement of peace, you get proficiency in performance, which I liked. Um, oh, nice. Well, we're already going to get that from, we'll get that from, enter from entertainer, but extra. <laughs> <laughs> Double Ex proficiency. Expertise in performance. Uh, not quite how that works, but yeah. sure. <laughs> Maybe no. you can talk your DM into that. Uh, emboldening bond is the other uh, feature that you get, yeah. uh, which um, you can forge an empowering bond among people who are at peace with one another. As an action, you can choose a number of willing creatures within 30 feet of you, and you create a magical bond between them. That's cute. Okay, that is pretty good. And I, I like, you're right. And, and this happens in the second movie too, which we'll mostly not use as evidence for this <laughs> podcast. But, uh, but yeah, she's she's coming in and she's trying to sort of community build. And that, mm -hmm. that feels that's like true. that's going along with that community that, building. That's true. It's your montage class. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, now we all like each other. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, okay, we have to get barred. If we're talking about multi-classing. I think yeah. multi-class. I don't and think, I, yeah. I think I we're starting as a bard. We're not going to start as a cleric. No. No, right? no, 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 no. So going into cleric from a play perspective, we'll talk about this more in the playability section, but I think uh, if this character is not going to be like a strongly engaged combatant, then cleric is going to open up some more utility for you. Like bard is already highly utility based, but mm -hmm. cleric will give you some additional other options for other things to do. It'll make you a little bit better at healing potentially. So what I really like about cleric too is it's, it's so nice to just kind of pepper and a bit of cleric because you mm -hmm. get most of what you need at one or two levels. You don't, yeah, have to, yeah. you don't have to justify three levels of cleric oh, just no. to get a little bit of cleric. So it's kind of nice to pepper it in and kind of honor that bit that she learned while she was in the convent. Well, let's let's come back to cleric once we've selected bard. Yes. Uh, as is correct. <laughs> it is correct. And then we'll move on. All right. But we have to explain why bard. And I just want to start with this character is constantly saying horny things. I don't know. <laughs> vow of celibacy. No, I'm out of here. Better than sex. All of the, there's a lot of, a lot of focus on sex from her, which it seems to be a, a chief bard characteristic. If the mm. internet tells me anything about bards. <laughs> 
And I will also say, as evidence in the lines, Sister Mary Patrick, when she first comes into choir practice, suggests that she should sing a spell. So, Oh, geez. <laughs> That's true. She does. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Nice. All right. So I've made this argument in a previous episode, uh, but so I want to bring this up again. For college, the one that I was thinking of is the College of Glamour. And one of the lines in the College of Glamour is that they are tutored by satyrs. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> I didn't even see that. So she's in a satyr nunnery. She's in a satyr nunnery. <laughs> okay. Well, a satyr lounge. Uh, lounge, lounge Reno. Yeah, Reno yeah. is the satyr. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah that's right. Reno. Yeah. <laughs> she was talking about the, the other lounge singers. <laughs> Reno. <laughs> Reno is full of satyr. So I like this. That's pretty I, much. I, when I looked at college. The Feywild. <laughs> so Reno. I, <laughs> definitely the Feywild. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest little town in all the plains. <laughs> um. <laughs> So College of Glamour is the only college, like I looked at all the colleges, it's, it's the only one favorite. that feels right. Mm -hmm. I, there's some of the abilities that don't quite feel like they fit exactly, but even then I do think it's the right choice. But really the argument I want to make is this character, more than any other character that we've previously looked at, actually works really well as a level one character without oh. having any of the subclassing and mm -hmm. having this be your backstory for the character. I think you can hmm. start at level one and then really discover how this character changes given the nature of your campaign. That's that's true. That's interesting. Just, yeah, just the same way that I was trying to justify the bit of cleric where it's like, I don't think you necessarily have to start your character having this cleric level, mm -hmm. but maybe, it, you know, depending on what your campaign is, I don't know how you then otherwise justify having some cleric level, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you can, can be the way that you make that you you develop this character just like she does in the movie where, yeah, you are maybe not a great lounge singer. And then you find your true calling as the bard through, you know, yeah. going into the nunnery. Yeah, I can buy that argument. But yeah, I did like, I did like glamour, mostly just for the enthralling <laughs> performance because that's what just sort of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Enthralling performance seems right. So yeah, it depends on what kind of campaign you want to have and how you want to play the character. If you, if it would help you play the, play the character more at the table for having, having all this already in your back pocket to inform you, then maybe that's. Maybe that's the way to go. But if you want to try to develop this character along the way, mm -hmm. you could take more levels. Oh, we need to um, add a second class. Do we? So, Matt, uh, do, do you, uh, Ian's do you buy our argument? a lot argument? of initiative. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, do you buy our argument for cleric? I So, One I level? like your argument level? for cleric, but I, I really don't feel like this is a level three character. I feel like mm. it's, I feel like she is more interesting to come in as, as level two or level three and, and not have a subclass yet. College of Glamour is the right subclass. That she will eventually she go into. she will get, but it's I don't think she's necessarily the there yet. Hmm. Maybe by the end of the first movie, you can justify enthralling performance for the Pope. Yeah. And yeah. that's how you get your level three. Mm. Like that is your level three event. I can you see that. the expertise. We, we would lose expertise, but we know where we're going, I think. Uh, I mean, I think that's fair because that's when, fair. when we meet her at the beginning, you know, again, if we want to do this from like, this is the journey throughout the movie. In Reno, she wasn't really doing a great enthralling performance. It's true. People yeah. weren't paying much attention. She was even calling out, you don't give a shit. <laughs> that's fair. Although I did enjoy her medley. I, I liked the medleys at the beginning of both movies. Yeah. yeah. And, and they point Although, out that her character is the one that's organizing, choosing the music. I'll, I'll make one more argument, though. Okay. She uh, does not have a stunning career as a lounge singer. However, she does have the knowledge. Like, she goes into this nunnery. If you're going to believe that she composed the music that they then sing, because mm -hmm. um, it's not like they took a, an off-the-shelf song. So they had to recompose everything for the boogie-woogie. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't make it up from whole cloth, but... No. No. 
she should be reading. But there's notes, a yeah. there, like, and she knows notes. She knows how to read music. She mm-hmm, knows mm-hmm. like I would believe she has the background in, in, them. In, in how to teach people to sing. But is that performance or is that like is that care is that charisma based? Is that intelligent based? Like where where you know where do we think that inherently kind of lives as an ability? I guess. Well, why would that matter in terms of level? I'm saying for if you're trying to justify expertise and proficiencies, mm-hmm. is that does that come from there? I would think so. My argument here would be like having a level as a player character, like being a bard and not a commoner is already like you're putting already, you one step above. You're already not an NPC. <laughs> so I can see the argument for expertise. I, I think there is one. And I'm just not making it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not a bard. <laughs> to me, this character is most interesting to come in as low level in really the start of a low level campaign. I get it from the campaign perspective, but yeah. I mean from the movie. Like I, I felt like that's not a level one person coming into a nunnery and able to, within one week, teach an entire choir how to actually sing. If, if you're to believe that the characters went from oh, yeah. what they were to what they then do a performance as in one week, seems like she's got expertise. A high level two. She could be level three within pretty quickly. I don't know. Yeah, she could come in. I, I Again, I'm also okay with just going, you know, one level bard, one level cleric, seeing where that gets us and starting at level two. That's interesting. I could buy that. It would have to depend on your campaign to justify why all of a sudden she's taking cleric, <laughs> unless you are having the one shot in the nunnery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, right. I don't know how else you get this character, some, some cleric. I'm feeling outnumbered. I'll just go back to level one. <laughs> Are we going to level one or level two? We're going to level two because we're going to uh, multi-class. Well, sorry, level one. One bard, bard. one cleric. Yeah. Okay, um, and we do get to pick a divine domain for our level one cleric. Uh, peace domain. I think. I think I liked your argument. I, I buy your argument for peace, and I mostly wanted trickery for what we get as being more like stealthy and uh, revelry and the revelry aspect. Yeah, I think we get enough of that from Seder. All right. So ability scores. Uh, do we have any choices for the top? Charisma. I think we got charisma. A charisma. Yeah. Bar- I think that makes Bard sense. first. You know, I forgot about the punch. I was thinking strength is a dump stat, but that I could be swayed. What What do you guys think? I, I was going to think, either, you know, the classic either intelligence or strength as a dump stat. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking it couldn't be constitution because that would be like where your breathing ability comes from. And as a singer, she should be able to. That's fair. Being <laughs> able to hold your breath. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I can yeah. buy that argument. Okay. okay. Yeah. You might actually have to make a con save to hold your breath. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> so I was thinking this, this argument seems awfully tenuous. But, all right. She's got to hold her breath a lot. She's been with Vince a lot. I want to sing a high note for 60 seconds. All right. Cool. Give me a roll. Con saves. <laughs> Okay, got it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I like strength as a dump, honestly. Yeah, it's because she made that intelligence. one. Intelligence isn't bad, bad yeah, either. Yeah, either way. She doesn't either, either is justified. She doesn't <laughs> seem like she went really far in her education and no. uh, did not. I would have bought that she, yeah, like dropped out of high school and yeah. went singing. Yeah, I think that sounds right. And she clearly doesn't know, uh, doesn't remember any of her religious training. Yeah, so probably didn't make it very far in the Catholic school. <laughs> Below charisma, the one I, I did want to talk about is dexterity, I think should be high. Like she can do double touch. She, like, oh, that's she's like, she's got dance moves. Double dutch. She's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't thinking dexterity would be very high, but I forgot about the double dutch. Sure. Did you want that overcome? Yes. Okay. Then we've got one spot left for wisdom. There we go. All right. Well, having picked two caster classes, we had to pick some spells. We did this offline, but we wanted to talk about a few of them. 
Uh, so from the Bard class, we picked uh, Friends to give you advantage on charisma checks directed at a creature, which we kind of see her do with. Yeah, she's generally affable. And if not, you just go to that good old Catholic guilt. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and then Vicious Mockery, which is kind of like it's an attack thing, but you're not really attacking. And we don't really feel like she's much of an attacking person other than the punches. Um, bless you. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> uh, and then from first level, we took uh, Disguise Self for the hiding out. Um, Heroism for when she touches Sister Mary Roberts and imbues her with brain. Um, a with attitude. And A with attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Silent image to get Karina's many nuns concept. Yeah, nuns and uh, Matt, you wanted to talk about silvery barbs? Yeah, there's a little bit of controversy in the D&D community over silvery barbs. It's a really good first level spell. And it's really good for exactly this kind of character because it's going to provide you a lot of good utility for your friends. You can technically use it for yourself, but I can see her in a lot of sequences transferring more or less a good role from a bad guy to one of her allies mm -hmm. and sort of executing that rather than using like she's got a lot of level one spell slots. I don't really see her using them for a lot of things. And this gives her a solid thing for her to do with reactions that feels very support class. From the cleric class, we had a few others like mending and guidance, also thaumaturgy for the booming singing voice. Shall we talk about playability? Yeah, let's talk about playability. All right. I think on paper, this maybe works. If you're trying to do a conscientious objector type <laughs> character who's going to avoid doing damage, cleric and bard both get you a lot of good support stuff. And I think that could be be fun depending on how exactly you want to play. It gives you a lot of power to choose like who you are buffing and that can be an interesting table dynamic. And she has vicious mockery for those cases where it really comes up. She absolutely has to be doing damage or this combat's going to go very badly. Mm -hmm. But I think that could work. It's maybe not an optimal build, but I think it would be a fun one. I don't know. I think it, it, it's a pretty good build as a bard um, and she, she gets up to a plus five for her performance. Mm -hmm. um, as, at a level two, that's pretty good. And that's only yeah. going to get significantly better once she can get expertise at oh, third sure. level, which we see in movie two. <laughs> <laughs> she moves up to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, for a character that doesn't inherently in the movie really get very violent, besides you have the double nut punch. I think this build probably largely has to rely on, depending on what your other members of your party are kind of bringing to the yeah. table. It's definitely dependent on everyone else. If you've got some of those other like heavy fighter Maybe some other stronger melee stuff going on. Then good if everybody's wanting to be casters and maybe you're just like the kind of weaker caster. <laughs> do, do you have a recipe for a double nut punch? Because that sounds surprisingly <laughs> delicious. A mold double nut. <laughs> <laughs> Make a macadamia nut mm. little almond thing. That could chestnuts. Be good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, chestnuts. <laughs> <laughs> Having mentioned that mechanical playability may be a bit lacking, I think this character actually makes a surprisingly good character for um, role-playing. For role-playing. Mm -hmm. This gives you a lot of different directions to go in. You've sort of got two different personalities. The entertainer as your big personality that you're trying to suppress and be mm -hmm. the nun some of the time. I think that could be really, really fun to play at the table. I also think like this is one of those ones where you describe it and people are like, I don't know how that's going to work. And then you come to the table and you... Um, you, if you really play on those both sides of that, um, mm -hmm. I think that can be a lot of fun. And it, like it gives you this obvious like this is uh, you're, you're kind of roguelike in that you have this common disguise that you keep going to. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fun that it ends up always like I'm just always a nun. That's just, always habit, that's yeah. how I disguise myself. <laughs> always a nun. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think this is another one of those ones where you really have to be ready to play the character. Oh yeah. Um, the, it, this doesn't work for everyone, but if you're a like have a boisterous personality and you are willing, you're ready to be a satyr bard and kind of piss off your uh, fellow uh, mates uh, by always wanting to party. Um, 
it could be a lot of fun at the table to do the RPG moments, but it could also be a little challenging if you are a quieter person. I, yeah. And so to that end, like, I think this works pretty well if you are going to be the party face. Yeah. It also lets you be the, <laughs> the charismatic character who subverts the party face repeatedly <laughs> if somebody else is going to play your mother superior. Mm -hmm. So, I, yeah, I think there's a lot to work with. Mm hmm. I think it's interesting too, as far as like for a newer player who maybe does isn't so much into the the rules aspect of it. Like I, I hear a lot of people say, "Hey, if you need a D and D, be cleric because it's it's fairly you get a little bit of spells, you have access to kind of everything, and you would kind of understand your role. Your role is to help everybody else. So what you can just kind of fall back onto, I'm going to help other people. Mm -hmm. So even in this role, if you're if you're having difficulty being the big boisterous person, you don't always have to be the big boisterous person. There's definitely moments for that that can help your role play. But especially like in a combat scenario, you don't have to think too hard about what you're going to do to you know get all those bad guys. Just help your other players. Just be that support class. And I think that helps newer players, at least in that aspect of it. If you just want a big person and you just want to be talking at the table and you want to be kind of light on the combat and the rules, I think this lends itself more easily to that kind of player. Yeah, Karina, I totally agree. I feel like if you're coming into D&D with like an actor background or an improv background and you're not really sure about all of the D&D rules and you're just like, I, I, I'm, I can just do that. I can do acting at the table. Like I have this character idea. I have this thing I want to play. I'm, and that's what I, that's what I'm showing up with. Then I think this could really work for you. Gives you a little taste of everything that you don't mm -hmm. worry too hard about. <laughs> yeah. Like this is actually a really great character for slowly learning the rules because if you do come in and you're like, okay, like what am I, <laughs> we're fighting now. What am I, yeah. like, I roll for initiative. All right, great. What do I do on my turn? And it's like, okay, well, you've got, you've got a couple of ways where you can just sort of give stuff to your friends. And if you just want to make jokes about how dumb the bad guys are, you can, you can, <laughs> you can do can damage do by yeah. making jokes. <laughs> um, and I, I encourage you to actually make those jokes at the table. That'd be really fun for everybody, right? Like <laughs> you cast vicious mockery by actually mocking people. Rad. And then like, yeah, there's going to be a whole big spell list eventually for you to build on and have more options. And that would be, I think, a fun way to learn the game. Mm -hmm. All right. So Sister Mary Clarence is a satyr level two peace domain cleric and bard multi-class with a background of entertainer. For the rest of the build, find the character sheet on hollywoodrolls.com. If you can, please leave us a rating on whatever podcatcher you use. Tell a friend. Heck, tell two. The best place to find us is hollywoodrolls.com. Email suggestions for movies or characters at red23 at hollywoodrolls.com. We're at hollywoodrolls on Instagram, at hollywood underscore rolls on Twitter, and Patreon at patreon.com slash hollywoodrolls. We're not sponsored by... D&D Beyond. Wizards of the Coast. Kirkland Brand Tequila. Zoom.us. Wormwood. Elderwood Academy. Touchstone Pictures. The Reno Sparks Convention and Visitors Authority. Archdiocese of San Francisco. The Moonlight Lounge. Basco's Disco. Or Ford. Thanks for listening.